0: overarching goal of transitioning to a clean energy strategy to provide energy security and pricing I think helps everyone in terms of keeping energy prices affordable in the future by not tying them to fluctuating markets associated with fossil fuels.
1: In January 2018, Fayetteville, Arkansas became the state's first city to adopt a 100% renewable energy goal. Now, with a detailed energy action plan, the city aims to create a future that its children can be proud of. In August 2020, I was joined by Mayor Lionel Jordan and Environmental Director Peter Nierengarten to discuss the city's goals and its plan to achieve them. I'm John Farrell, Director of the Energy Democracy Initiative at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and this is our special Voices of 100 series focused on local leaders and their pursuit of 100% renewable energy. It's all part of Local Energy Rules, a bi-weekly podcast sharing powerful stories about local renewable energy. Lionel and Peter, welcome to the program.
2: It's good to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much for having us.
1: Well, I am just delighted to have you because it has been really exciting for me to have had all of these conversations with communities that have made these commitments. You know, there's not over 100 cities that have made 100% renewable energy commitments of some sort like Fayetteville. But they differ in terms of the scope and the timeline. Could we start by just having you explain what the city is committed to and by what date?
2: Well, what, what we worked on, we, we made a commitment to 100 percent clean energy was made on January the 2nd, 2018. It took us oh I don't know, we probably worked on that plan for about a year before we actually brought it to the council, but we were very concerned about fossil fuel use, greenhouse gases. We really wanted to make an impact. Not just in our city, but in the state, in the nation, and ultimately the world, so Peter worked on the first energy action plan that I know of in the state at that time, mm-hmm. and I was very proud of our state. I know we'd also worked with the Sierra Club on their hundred campaign and and uh, other real progressive communities to make a similar commitment because I have been concerned about greenhouse gas emissions for quite some time, and when we're looking at what 405, 407 parts per million, and it needs to be in the 350 range, then when you see that or lower than the 350 range, you you see that you need to do something, and it, it's it's like an emergency situation that you need to address. And I think it's it's vital that we all commit to 100% clean energy. I know that we set a goal in our city operations and our city buildings. For 2030 to be 100% clean energy, and and I certainly within about a year's time that in our city operations and our city buildings, we hit 72% in about a year, maybe 15 months, which I was very proud of the efforts that the staff made and the sort of uh, support I had from the city council. We just all worked together because, you know, as I always say, you can do a few really great things by yourself but it's when we all work together we can do a lot of great things and this is a real great example of that
1: yeah it's impressive that you've already made such great progress could you just clarify for me because i get asked this question by other sort of energy wonks is the commitment to 100 percent? is that focused just on electricity or are you looking at transportation and buildings heating and cooling that kind of thing too
2: it, it's everything it's everything very good. You know, transportation. If I remember the numbers correctly, is about thirty percent, and we need to address that. That's one of the things we're working on next, and and that gets into your fleet and the kind of vehicles that you buy. The fossil fuels, of course. What's interesting about fossil fuels, folks, is well, you know, we got all this coal and all this stuff, but if you just look at at it as a finite resource. Even if you didn't believe in, in all the climate change, which I do, by the way, that is a finite resource that's going away. And if it goes away, saying 50 years, what are you going to do then? What's going to be left for our children and our children's children? we got to think into the future, not just today, but tomorrow. And so you've got to think about if you don't believe in climate change, you should Realize that your your coal and and oil could it's certainly finite resources that's going away, being used up and getting more expensive. We've worked real hard, and you, that's where you get into the transportation issues. That's where you you get into the cutting back on the fossil fuels at your wastewater treatment plants, which was a huge use of our fossil fuels and oil and and gas. We targeted that first, and then. Once we got that accomplished, we had taken care of 72% of our clean energy in our own buildings. Uh, and I hope it encourages people that as we do this and we put solar panels on other buildings, I hope that the commercial industries in our city and the individuals see the need for the, to getting into this, seeing the vision for 100% clean energy. We also set a goal of 100% clean energy in the city by 2050. So we're working on that too. We're not just, we're just not sitting and saying, oh, we have arrived, we've hit 72%. We still got another 28% out there we've got to to, to work on, and, and we are, we're doing that as well.
0: So I could just add our energy action plan that all this, this kind of the umbrella plan for all of this, has a 80% GHG emission reduction goal by the year 2050. And the plan has four ba- four major areas of reducing greenhouse gases in the city. The first is electricity supply for the city. The second is buildings and energy consumption in our buildings. The third area is transportation and transportation-related emissions. And then the fourth area is in our waste that goes to the landfill.
1: Yep, yep, yep. So I read about the solar and energy storage project, like batteries, that the city signed on to in partnership with Ozarks Electric Cooperative, and a solar developer called Today's Power. I was curious, is that project part of how you got to that 72% or is that going to get you even further in terms of the city's goals?
2: Yeah, that's one of the ways we could get to 72% because what we found and what I was interested in, we, there was a, another city done a solar project, but they didn't have any battery storage. So when the sun doesn't shine, there wasn't any kind of storage. So what ours does, when the sun's not shine, shining, We store that into the batteries that we can use later. It's a win-win in that direction.
0: Right after we passed our energy action plan, we began looking at our portfolio of buildings, and we we quickly realized our two wastewater treatment facilities that the city owns and operates used about 66% of the total electricity that the city government consumes, and they're blessed with generous land resources nearby we began talking with Ozarks Electric, who's the local electric cooperative that uh, provides electricity to both wastewater plants, and they brought a partner, Today's Power Inc., to the table, and we worked collaboratively between the three of us to develop the 10-megawatt solar array projects with the 24-megawatt hours of battery storage at the two plants, and it essentially offset the entire amount of electricity that the two plants consume, and so that took us from... 16% clean energy when the council passed plan in December, uh, January 2018 to 72% clean energy when we flipped the switch on that project just a little less than a year ago, last, last September.
1: You already mentioned the city's detailed energy action plan that encompasses the goal, and, and you talked about sort of the four different areas that it focuses on. Could you talk about some of the strategies that you have in that plan that you are hoping to use to Reduce greenhouse gas emissions in some of those sectors. What things like that solar project are already being done?
0: Well, the solar project was one of the biggest first steps and goals. Under the four areas, there there are sub-goals. So transitioning to to clean energy supply for buildings or or for our electricity consumption was one strategy and one goal. Uh, Energy efficiency in our buildings, so focusing on weatherization and efficiency measures, lighting upgrades on our buildings and our street lights to reduce electricity and energy consumption in our buildings in our transportation sector leaning in harder on active transportation so biking and walking infrastructure we've got an amazing trail system in the community and are continuing to invest heavily in sidewalks safe and complete streets and then also public transportation as part of that, that that transportation sector to reduce transportation emissions Investment and, and more effective transit, and then in our waste sector, we're we're working to increase access to recycling and and uh, participation in recycling, food waste composting. We're growing a, a commercial food waste composting program for our commercial businesses, the university, and schools in the city, and then we're taking some baby steps towards uh, construction and demolition yep. waste and yep. recycling as well to try and eliminate usable, recyclable, reusable building materials from going to our landfill and contributing to the landfill emissions.
2: When we get back to keeping everything pure and clean, I'm big on preserving the urban forest and green space in this city. I, I just I just want to give a shout out about that because I know that that, that helps in, in, in keeping the air clean and purified and, and stops a lot of those emissions. And I, I'm proud to say in the last six years, this city has preserved about 1,200 acres of urban forest in this city. And we've also built about 110 miles of, of trails, that, that. and we're completing a uh, trail loop all the way around this city to go along with the ones that we have going through this city so people can take a bike or walk. They can enjoy the trees. It, it helps protect the environment. And I'm real proud of the 1,200 acres of urban forest and green space we've preserved. It'll be preserved forever, never be touched again.
1: I want to come back to around electricity in terms of that shift to renewable energy. You mentioned that in terms of both energy efficiency and how that's an important piece. Obviously, a lot of folks are talking about electric cars as as a way that you can get transportation to get to clean energy. Like a lot of the 100% cities, Fayetteville is mostly served by a utility company that it doesn't own. And so I was curious, how do you see the city being able to shift electricity use by private businesses, private households towards renewable energy. It sounds like, for example, Ozarks Electric Cooperative was a pretty good partner for the city's solar project. I think you have one other utility, Southwestern Electric Power Company. You know, Are they going to yep. make a transition to clean energy on a similar timeline? Have you sat down and talked with them about how they can help the city meet its goal?
2: Yeah, we're, we're working with them on, a lot of their stuff is with wind power. Mm-hmm. That's something we're very interested in also. The clean wind power, it could be accessible and shared by all of the Coast customers, which is roughly about two-thirds of the residents of the city. So, wind power's big, too. And I know Peter's been working on that. He can probably give you a little more detail on that than I can, but I know I'm very interested in the, not just the solar panels, but also the wind power. You know, we thought we had it worked out back a few years ago, and then that got scuttled, so we're, we're, but it's coming back again. We're very interested in it. Peter can address all the, the details of that. But Yeah,
0: SWEFCO's got three wind projects that are currently in development over in Oklahoma. Not that far, honestly, from here. Right. Three, four hundred miles away is the Crow from Fayetteville to get to really good wind resources just the other side of uh, Interstate 35 in, uh, in Oklahoma. The first of the three projects will be online by the end of this year. And that'll start to supply clean wind power coming to Fayetteville, and then two others that are actually larger will be provided to their service territory in Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. So we've been pretty active and vocal supporters of those projects, including providing testimony at the Arkansas Public Service Commission when those projects were up for application and approval in support of the projects, along with the University of Arkansas and Walmart and other progressive like-minded organizations. So, yeah. SWEFCO taking taken a little different approach. They haven't been as big a proponents around solar because they've been they've been focusing more on uh, wind man. power. Um, but, but certainly both utilities, SWEFCO and Ozarks, see electric vehicles and electrification of transportation as a definite area of growth. They, you know, It's low growth for them, and it's clean transportation for us. So we've been having lots of conversations with both organizations about how to increase the number of... EV charging stations in the community mm-hmm. as we yep. as we see the demand for EVs continue to grow. We're looking at a couple of options for electric vehicles for our fleet. In fact, we have one passenger vehicle right now, a couple of utility vehicles, we're looking at, at the market to see what else materializes. So there's definite interest and focus in that area as well.
1: We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we hear about whether the utility's clean energy plans match the city's, how equity is addressed through affordability and the city's tree canopy, and how the city is held accountable to its goals. Hey, thanks for listening to Local Energy Rules. If you've made it this far, you're obviously a fan, and we could use your help for just two minutes. As you've probably noticed, we don't have any corporate sponsors or ads for any of our podcasts. The reason is that our mission at ILSR is to reinvigorate democracy by decentralizing economic power. Instead, We rely on you, our listeners. Your donations not only underwrite this podcast, but also help us produce all of the research and resources that we make available on our website and all of the technical assistance we provide to grassroots organizations. Every year, ILSR's small staff helps hundreds of communities challenge monopoly power directly and rebuild their local economies. So please take a minute and go to ILSR.org and click on the donate button. And if making a donation isn't something you can do, please consider helping us in other ways. You can help other folks find this podcast by telling them about it or by giving it a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The more ratings from listeners like you, the more folks can find this podcast and ILSR's other podcasts, Community Broadband Bits, and Building Local Power. Thanks again for listening. Now, back to the program. With those wind projects for SWEPCO, is the utility kind of getting pretty far ahead then in terms of its percentage of renewable energy? Do you know in terms of their plan? I'm actually involved in a utility resource plan conversation here in Minnesota. So our utilities file these 15-year energy plans, kind of like here's what's going to happen in the next 15 years. Does SWEPCO do something like that where you get a sense of, hey, here's the progress that they're going to make toward this goal and how it might help us along?
0: Yeah, they do an integrated resource plan I don't recall how long the plan is good for but I believe they updated every 3 years and we participated in the last update and they talked about what wind made up in terms of their future portfolio and their growth in terms of supply. I don't remember off the top of my head what those numbers looked like in terms of their percentages but it's definitely growing for them as a utility for sure.
1: One of the things that we've seen in other cities that have pursuing their 100% goals is that they've also been focused on how it can be equitable such as energy affordability for low-income residents or ensuring that native american or communities of color that live near polluting power plants have a chance to benefit more from the transition to clean energy i saw among the many aims of your energy action plan that it has a goal to reduce average housing and transportation costs to 45 percent of the area median income Are there other specific economic or racial equity goals in the plan or things that the city's been pursuing or goals that you have around equity?
0: Overarching the goal of transitioning to a clean energy strategy, provide energy security and pricing, I think, helps everyone in terms of keeping energy prices affordable in the future by not tying them to fluctuating markets associated with fossil fuels. But more specific, one of the areas, and I don't know that we, we... detailed it out really, really well in the plan, but in some of the urban forestry initiatives, you know, the mayor mentioned preservation of existing urban forests, mm-hmm. but focusing on street tree canopy, so planting yep. more trees, right, yep. place, right tree, right place. We, you know, we see an underinvestment in the community, likely in urban street trees that are in some of our lower-income neighborhoods, and that planter strip between the sidewalk and the back of the curb. And um, as we begin to think about sort of you know, summertime, heat island impacts, you know, places being hotter because they yeah. don't have as much shade, you know, maybe homes that aren't as well insulated or, or as efficient, where we can invest in street trees and cooling and those neighborhoods through the design of those neighborhoods. I think that's where some of our programs can have a, a little bit greater impact we can focus more on more equitable distribution in that
2: area. You also, John, get back to the planning of the city. When you have certain areas of the city and – things is walkable to people, like stores and where they go to work and they don't have to get in a car, burn all the gas and put out all the emissions, where they have got to drive miles and miles and miles. You make your city a walkable city or a city where you can take a bike to work and you make it accessible and that's for people of all levels of their income. Anybody can get on our trails. We've got about a hundred and ten miles of trails, I believe, thereabouts. And you can get on like, we're working on a plan right now. We're going to go from one of our areas on Kessler Mountain to Centennial. I know you don't know where those are, but they're a few a mile or so apart, which takes them also, also to Markham Hill, which allows them to, to go all the way to the University of Arkansas. So you could take a bike from the south end of town and go all the way to the University of Arkansas and get your education. You don't have to get in the car and drive it. So that helps everybody. That helps, that helps low-income people like it helps everybody else.
1: Just out of curiosity, I'm from Minneapolis, so our limitation on non-car transportation is that, of course, you got snow and ice in the winter. I would imagine that yours is sort of the reverse—that it's in the summer when people maybe are less inclined to get on a bike and and to commute around. Is that right? It can be. Yeah, it can be. Yeah,
0: we have—we certainly don't have it. Uh, my parents are from Minnesota. I've spent some uh, Christmases up there. I know what you guys deal with, <laughs> and. <laughs> I've ridden my bike ridden a bike around Minneapolis. It's a great biking city, but it can get cold here for sure in the winter and, and snowy sometimes. And we probably don't have quite as robust a snow removal equipment as you guys have. But but you are correct. In the summertime, it can get kind of warm and humid, and that definitely can be a, a barrier for us as well. But but uh, particularly our 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 saddle months, the spring and the fall, are, are definitely the most
2: beautiful and agreeable
0: yeah. in my opinion for, yeah. for active transportation uh, um, but but
2: i'm you know i do a year round you know i see uh, those trails are very very popular in in the city i mean folks ride a bike and they walk and and these areas i was just telling you about those are one that's got 400 acres of, of trees the other one's got 228 acres we just got another 60 acres you can you could walk through a, a beautiful nature trail or ride a bike and it gets people out and helps build the community. And now we're talking more of a mayor's perspective. I may not be getting into the energy thing like you wanted, but it's part of it. Mm-hmm. It's part of the whole package. It's, it's about community. Yeah. And, and, and we, during
0: the pandemic, even we said oh, yeah. a couple of different, I think we set a record in April and yeah. broke that record in May yeah. and broke it again in June in terms yep. of the utilization on our trails. Because they, the focus for the design, I think this is sort of critical, been critical since inception, was around creating a trail system that is, at its core, a transportation-based system that that does an effective job connecting destinations that are important in our community. It runs right through the heart of downtown, connecting the north end of town with the south end of town, and. In doing a good job providing transportation options for people but then along with that comes all these ancillary recreation benefits that folks who also want to use it for recreation jogging running recreation biking whatever it's Just has been a really really effective well-used
2: well-loved trail yep. system Yep.
1: i wanted to ask you one question in terms of the energy goals that you've established obviously they're fairly recent that you've got the action plan. Both of you are clearly very committed in terms of how the city could move ahead with those goals. Is there any kind of accountability mechanism? I know some other cities have like citizen advisory committees that work on climate and energy stuff, kind of both supporting and keeping tabs on elected officials and, and city staff in the work. Is there any way that in Fayetteville that there's sort of folks out, outside of city government that are keeping tabs on, on the progress?
2: Well, we have an Energy Action Committee. Uh, and, Environmental Action I mean, Committee. I'm sorry, Environmental Action Committee. Yeah. So it's in their charter yeah. to uh, you know,
0: yep. manage and monitor and get reporting yep. on climate change impacts. And then we also bring an annual report to our yep. city council every year on our
2: progress. And Peter gives a, a report every two weeks to the city. Every, every month. Every, every month day. to the city council on where we are with our on our wastewater treatment plants, which are 72%, where they are and where they were and where they are and where they're headed. So we keep everybody up speed on every everything we're doing. Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. Thank you. I just want to wrap up by asking, so far that Fayetteville is the only Arkansas city that's made a commitment like this, a 100% renewable energy commitment. What advice might you offer to other cities in your state that are considering a similar pledge or trying to figure out how they would meet it? I mean, I would say
2: it's honestly,
0: I think some folks maybe fear the cost of making an energy transition, but for us, our experience is that it is cost neutral or in fact saves money. And so my advice to other cities would be dig into the numbers, find yourself a good partner that can help you run the economic analysis on clean energy, energy efficiency, whatever the solution is you're looking for. And it's likely, if done well, it will actually save you money in the short and long run and help you
2: meet clean energy goals. And, you know, John, you know why I do what I do? I'm going to tell you. I do it for my children and my grandchildren. You know, I want to leave them. I don't want them to say of me when they're my age that I wish... My grandfather had taken protecting the earth more seriously than he did. I want him to say that he believed in protecting the earth. He helped stop global warming. He helped leave us a better place to live in. I want him to be able to say that he cared. And I want him to say that about this generation. Nobody's going to remember us, John. We're all going to come and go. But you know the earth? It lasts forever. It's up to us how we leave it. I want to leave it a better place. I want it to be a place where my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren is still planting trees instead of having to pay to see what one looks like. I want, I want them to say that because we at, in this generation stopped the greenhouse gas emissions, and made this a better world for everybody that exists, not only back then, but in the future. And then we're going to do the same thing. And we'll just continue to build layer on layer to protect the earth and make sure that it's preserved.
1: Well, I thank you very much for your commitment and for taking the time to talk with me about what Fayetteville is doing around clean energy. I really appreciate it.
2: You're very welcome, John. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of our Voices of 100% podcast series with Fayetteville Mayor Lionel Jordan and Environmental Director Peter Nierengarten, recorded in August 2020. Local Energy Rules is produced by myself and Maria McCoy, with editing provided by audio engineer Drew Bershbach. On the show page, look for links to the city's energy action plan and a summary of the interview. To learn about other cities pursuing 100% renewable energy, check out over a dozen additional Voices of 100% interviews on the Local Energy Rules podcast, including leaders in Madison, Wisconsin. Cleveland, Ohio, or even Abita Springs, Louisiana. Check out the Sierra Club's Ready for 100 campaign page to see more cities and their clean energy goals. Back on the website of the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, you can also find the entire list of 100% cities on our community power map and click through an interactive community power toolkit for stories on how cities have advanced toward their goal. Tune back in to Local Energy Rules every two weeks to hear more powerful stories of communities taking on concentrated power to transform the energy system. Until next time, keep your energy local.